Thither, through the honey-humming heather, came the vicar, in the heat of the day, carrying a gun under his arm, a gun loaded with swan-shot for the strange bird. And over his disengaged hand he carried a pocket-handkerchief, wherewith, ever and again, he wiped his beady face. He went by and on past the big pond and the pool full of brown leaves where the cider arises, and so by the road, which is at first sandy and then chalky, to the little gate that goes into the park. There are seven steps up to the gate, and on the further side six down again, lest the deer escape, so that when the vicar stood in the gateway his head was ten feet or more above the ground and looking where a tumult of bracken fronds filled the hollow between two groups of beech, his eye caught something party-coloured that wavered and went. Suddenly his face gleamed and his muscles grew tense. He ducked his head, clutched his gun with both hands and stood still. Then, watching keenly, he came on down the steps into the park, and still holding his gun in both hands, crept rather than walked towards the jungle of bracken. Nothing stirred, and he almost feared that his eyes had played him false until he reached the ferns and had gone rustling breast-high into them. Then suddenly rose something full of wavering colours, twenty yards or less in front of his face, and beating the air, in another moment it had fluttered above the bracken and spread its pinions wide. He saw what it was, his heart was in his mouth, and he fired out of pure surprise and habit. There was a scream of superhuman agony, the wings beat the air twice, and the victim came slanting swiftly downward and struck the ground, a struggling heap of writhing body, broken wing, and flying blood-stained plumes upon the turfy slope behind. The vicar stood aghast with his smoking gun in his hand. It was no bird at all, but a youth with an extremely beautiful face, clad in a robe of saffron, and with iridescent wings, across whose pinions great waves of colour, flushes of purple and crimson, golden green and intense blue, pursued one another as he writhed in his agony. Never had the vicar seen such gorgeous floods of colour, not stained glass windows, not the wings of butterflies, not even the glories of crystals seen between prisms. No colours on earth could compare with them. Twice the angel raised himself, only to fall over sideways again. Then the beating of the wings diminished, the terrified face grew pale, the floods of colour abated, and suddenly with a sob he lay prone, and the changing hues of the broken wings faded swiftly into one uniform dull grey hue. The angel, for such it was, shuddered violently, hands outstretched and clutching the ground, and then lay still. Oh! What has happened to me? Dear me, I had no idea. He came forward cautiously. Excuse me, I'm afraid I have shot you. It was the obvious remark. 
The angel seemed to become aware of his presence for the first time. He raised himself by one hand, his brown eyes stared into the vicar's. Then, with a gasp and biting his nether lip, he struggled into a sitting position, surveyed the vicar from top to toe, and clasped his forehead. A man! A man in the maddest black clothes, and without a feather upon him. Then I was not deceived. I am indeed in the land of dreams.' 